On this episode, we discuss Venom. Live from Madison, Wisconsin. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. I'm I'm Elliot Kalin. Yay! We did it, guys. We did it. That's oh. our show. <laughs> we got our names right. Uh, so this is a podcast. Yep. You probably know that because you downloaded it. Uh, unless, and what we unless do? You've been kidnapped by some monster who's <laughs> forcing you to listen to. What you assume are men in another room talking, and yet they won't save you. <laughs> Why won't they come in and save you? You're screaming, but all they're talking about is Venom. <laughs> it's because it's a podcast. I'm very sorry. <laughs> Thank you for if, that disclaimer <laughs> to add comfort to this fantasy man. And if, in or fact, woman. all we talk about is Venom, I will be very impressed. <laughs> Good point. Dan, what do we do on this podcast? Uh, this is a podcast where we watch a bad movie, and then we talk about it. And, uh-huh. uh, this so start time, up that movie. No, <laughs> it's not how we do it. We watched the movie already on your laptop in a Marriott hotel earlier today. Mm-hmm. The way the film was meant to be seen. Uh, so, what is this movie about? <laughs> what, what, wait, what? did you wait? Did you say what? the name of the movie? Uh, I, I mean, did, it's announced at the top. Yeah, the movie's called okay, Venom. Yeah. Let me just say. This is a doubly special night to me. One, as I already said to this audience beforehand in some material they loved, but you, the listening audience at home, will never get to enjoy. (laughs) Very excited to be here in Madison because I have family connections to the university, and also excited to be talking about Venom, my favorite character, circa 1993 to 1997. (laughs) How how old would you have been at this time? That's like like 11 to 15 or 16. Uh Or like 12 to 15 or 16. Venom was, when I was a kid growing up, Venom was the, okay, you liked one of four different characters. Uh-huh. Okay. Venom, because he's like Spider-Man, but he's a monster. The uh-huh. Punisher, because he shoots guys in the head. <laughs> Wolverine. And he, and he uses jet skis. And he, well, he uses, he blows, yeah, look, kiss that jet ski goodbye. Yeah. Uh, Wolverine, because he's the best there is at what he does. But what he does isn't pretty, and when you're that age, you can really sympathize with someone who doesn't feel pretty. Mm-hmm. You're growing in your body, you're changing, and you feel awkward, and to have somebody like Wolverine be like, you know what? I look cool, but I don't feel pretty sometimes, mm-hmm. too. Sometimes uh-huh. I feel like someone shoved a bunch of metal in my body. Yeah. To suddenly have things spring out of your body, things that weren't there before. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And your hair grows into weird shapes that you can't do in the real world. Yeah. Exactly. And you mentor a series of teenage girls in martial arts. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, classic teenage experience. And, of course, Ghost Rider was the other one because... He has a skull for a head, and it's on fire, and he hits people with a chain. Now, yeah, yeah. Something that everyone can relate to, because they also have skulls inside their bodies. You call them the Spencer's Gifts heroes. Yes. And my favorite was Venom, because I loved Spider-Man, and now it was like a Spider-Man who could also eat people. And Well, and I, also, I think because Venom was obsessed with Spider-Man, and I think you were also obsessed with Spider-Man. I could really so relate to that. you sense a kindred spirit. I did. I liked the fact that Venom was a villain character who was not evil 
because he wanted something. He was evil because he hated one person. And that hate had twisted him so much, and he was one of these rare villains that, I mean, Joker's obsessed with Batman, but Joker would be very happy. In a world without Batman, Joker's still going to be sending poison fish to people and, like, robbing the, the joke bank and things like that, you know? <laughs> whatever, whatever laughing theme, he's still going to be, like, putting poisoned Laffy Taffy in people's stores and things like that, you know? <laughs> but without Spider-Man, Venom doesn't exist. Venom doesn't care. Venom doesn't want to take over the world. He just wants to kill Spider-Man. And so, with this movie, it's an interesting to have the conundrum of a Venom movie with no Spider-Man in it. <laughs> when Venom is an explicitly a Spider-Man-derived character who dresses in Spider-Man's old clothes and because he wants to kill Spider-Man, how do they do that? Yeah, Dan. Uh, they make Venom into this quasi-hero by making him a loser like Eddie Brock is. <laughs> So let's talk about how this movie, how it starts. It starts yeah. in media res. Sorry, res. We don't get to see the top of you, just the media. There's a private, privately owned spaceship crashes to Earth in East Malaysia. It's carrying some alien goo. One of the goos escapes into the body of an EMT doctor. Cut to San Francisco. So already, right off the bat, we're like, the movie is hiding. A lot of movies will kind of keep their cards close to their chest. This one is like, there's alien goo. It jumps into people's bodies. Next scene, please. San Francisco, we, get, we meet reporter Tom Hardy, Eddie Brock. He's a real slob. And here's where I was like, uh, Venom ended up in San Francisco when Spider-Man and him came to an agreement. But he's a New York boy. What's this all about? But they cover that. He's from New York, too, which mm -hmm. is why he can talk in the most hilarious accent. <laughs> like, it's like Tom Hardy did Bane, and people were like, this voice is kind of crazy. And he was like, mm, I can do better. Yeah, he sounds like he's doing a late-period Marlon Brando through the entire film. Like, if Marlon Brando was the star of a Hanna-Barbera cartoon show. <laughs> like, that's what he sounds like. It, does, uh, it does feel like that accent and a lot of his performance throughout the movie, every other actor is like, okay, I'll t just go along with this. <laughs> I mean, I would, it, they could have built into his backstory that he came from like an affluent Long Island suburb, but he wanted to seem like he was from the streets. So he gave himself this fake like, uh, you know, okay, going over here. You know, I'm just Eddie Brock. Let me ask some questions. I'm a reporter. Uh, he is engaged to Michelle Williams, who is a high-class lawyer, which <laughs> I, guess employers, I guess there are low-class lawyers, yeah. yeah. Anyway. Uh, and they are, to put it mildly, to seeing from their apartment, the bars they go to, they are the people currently ruining San Francisco. Mm -hmm. uh, so you can assume every time you see their apartment that an elderly Asian or Latino lady used to live in that apartment until the rents went up too high and they kicked her out. So those are our heroes. Uh, Eddie is assigned to interview the head of this space company who also, so there's the company called the Life Foundation. Yeah. Is that just the evil alien experimenting organization or is that also the spaceship company? Uh, Why I mean, are you I looking at me? I mean, man? I didn't build the spaceship. I, like, you watched the movie. I, yeah, I, well, I, I, I don't know. And wasn't, okay. wasn't Life that other movie we watched about evil alien goop? Yes, yeah. there's, an, there's, I don't think, I don't know if we ever we released We never that released that episode. It was a test episode for Skyping. Oh, yes, okay. and it and we'd failed the test, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But when the movie Life, which is alien, except instead of the xenomorph, a terrifying classic monster design, it was just like some goop uh, that jumped. When that trailer came out, people were like, this is a stealth secret prequel for Venom, and it wasn't. But watching this movie, I was like, maybe it was. <laughs> like, <laughs> but this, 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 uh, this evil billionaire, this tech billionaire played by Riz Ahmed. His like, name is Carlton Drake. Yeah. He, uh, it's, it's a normal name. We just watched. Yeah. Non-evil. <laughs> I mean, he made his money on the Drake's Cakes fortune, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. And he was the basis for Carlton Banks and the Fresh Birds of Bel-Air, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> 
I was just checking to see if you're done. Yeah, talk. Uh, no, Dan, we... you can just butt in. You don't have to wait for us. Apparently not. So go. Uh, no, we just watched the movie The Meg recently, and uh, in that movie, Rain Wilson was funding uh, deep-sea diving for reasons unknown. He like comes onto the deep-sea sh- ship and is like, so what are you doing here again? I'm just giving you billions of dollars. And here it's like, what exactly is this guy's idea that like he's just like, I know symbiotes exist in the world somewhere, so I'm sending randomly rockets up in space. Like, he seems to know ahead of time what the plot of the movie is, yeah, and that's why he set it into motion. He believes that humanity is destroying the Earth because we take, 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 and we never give back. Our future is in space, and we need to find a way to live in space. Throw some alien goop on our bodies. The only way to do it. So he's an Elon Musk type, by which I mean evil, and also he doesn't really seem to know that much about his core business <laughs> or any of the other businesses think- that he gets involved with. And he's, he's introduced in a scene where he's, like, explaining the basics of space travel or something. And that's the kind of scene you see in every sci-fi movie where you're like, why is this person explaining the very basics of this thing? Like, why is this physics class doing day one physics? And then the camera pans around and he's telling a bunch of children. And you're like, oh, it's supposed to be dumb. <laughs> Eddie, he's supposed to just talk to him about rockets. It's a puff piece. But he starts asking him about the case that his fiance is involved with that the company is being sued because some test subjects have died in some mysterious experiments. Of course, Eddie, the investigative reporter, is fired for doing some investigative reporting. <laughs> Meanwhile, on the other end, uh, the fiance also fired, considering her boyfriend barged into, it, like, started asking about it. But I guess was a secret cl- uh, case he wasn't supposed to know about. Yeah, mm-hmm. we saw him hack into her computer earlier because he knows her password, I guess. And yeah. uh, meanwhile, her cat looks on. That cat, I expected to be a character in the movie. Did not turn out to be. I, w- I was very concerned that that cat was going to get killed at some point. Yeah, but do you remember was, the cat's name? Um, uh, do I remember? It was Mr. Belvedere. <laughs> <laughs> so automatically, best character in the movie barely appears in it. Meanwhile, in Malaysia, that EMT, she steals an eel from a fish market, starts chowing it down, kills a bunch of people, and the symbiote hops into an old lady. Okay, Scientist Jenny Slate is explaining to her boss, Riz Ahmed, that the aliens need host bodies, but to achieve symbiosis requires an exact match. Once again, they seem to know a lot about these new aliens that they just discovered. Drake is like, I demand we move on to human trials. This is uh, Drake the Musician. Yes, Drake the Musician is like, nah, dog, we got to move on to human trials. (laughs) He doesn't even say dog. That's like a Randy Jackson thing to say. But but, uh, the, and he threatens her kids. Uh Uh-oh. Meanwhile, Eddie, he's the kind of guy who's friends with all the local characters, the local homeless person, bodega owner, and he just stops into his local bodega and watches as the shopkeeper has to pay off a gunman for Well, but also, by this point, uh, Eddie, his life has taken a downturn because uh, Michelle Williams, uh, he's not only lost his job, Michelle Williams has broken up with him. Even though earlier we saw them so enamored of one another that they had sex dangerously close to a record player that was playing a record. (laughs) I was very concerned by it. It's like, that might slice off her butt Hellraiser (laughs) style. (laughs) They're at a bar, and she says, they clearly have nothing in common, and she says, less talking, more kissing. Cut to them in their apartment just ripping each other's clothes off, but the record is on the turntable, which means that they took a break from making out to put the record on. Unless the way these young, gentrifying people who think they have everything in the world, unless they left that record player on the entire time they were out, wasting valuable electricity. I don't think you understand how records work, Elliot. (laughs) I assume it just gets to the end and then skips back to the top again. Okay, oh boy. Uh, Jenny Slate tips off Eddie Brock. This is when we learn her name, which is Dora... Skirth, but we thought it was Doris Girth, which is like a Pee Wee Playhouse <laughs> character name. <laughs> but no, it is the much more realistic name of Dora Skirth, which I don't know if that's a Marvel Comics reference or just a crazy great name. 
she takes him to the lab, and Drake, he's, he wants to use human hosts to keep these space goops alive, and Eddie sees a homeless woman he knows in a cell. He breaks the cell open with a fire extinguisher, and she attacks him and passes the symbiote to him. Instantly, he's a super tough fighter who escapes from the bad guy's henchman by climbing up a really tall tree. Yeah, and this, uh, it's also interesting, like the symbiote is apparently kept behind glass, and it's like, oh no, glass, the, its only weakness is being hit really hard. The glass, you mean, not the yeah. symbiote. Yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah, they're like, we need the... That's also the weakness of Mr. Glass, being hit really hard. Most people. I mean, I yeah. haven't seen the movie yet, so you're spoiling yeah. it. Yeah, spoilers. <laughs> is that what happens? I mean, I haven't seen the movie Glass, but do they hit him and he shatters, and that's it? Yeah. Kind of. Oh, okay. Well, I guess that answers that question. <laughs> But, like, into pieces, and then his hands start crawling away? Yeah, yeah. Does he shatter into a bunch of tiny Mr. Glasses, like, <laughs> well, in the that, gate? That's the movie Shattered Glass, actually. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't think that's what Shattered Glass is about. Mm, I remember it differently, Elliot. So, is Glass about Ira Glass or Philip Glass? Uh, they're brothers, right? I mean, they are related, but I think, really? I think they're, they're just in cousins, I think. Let's talk about this. Yeah, okay. <laughs> they're both prominent people with the last name Glass. All right, well, I guess that's all I'm talking <laughs> I mean, there's about. No, it's not like it would be crazy for them. It's not like one of them is an alien and it would be crazy for them to, or maybe they're both aliens. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Philip Glass's music is pretty crazy. And Ira Glass is always dividing things up into parts, <laughs> much like an alien who's investigating human life. <laughs> He's always like, mm, everybody likes doing this, but what if they didn't and they did it a different way? And it's like, why do you care? <laughs> uh, well, he has to categorize, yeah, I mean, he might be an alien because he's categorizing categorizing all of this American life. Mm-hmm. Tell me about this American life. <laughs> what is love? Anyway, uh, Eddie heads home. He's got this symbiote in him. You know what that means? He's hungry, so he chows down on some frozen tater tots, rips a chicken out of the garbage, and starts eating it. And I'm like, you left that much meat on the chicken? You should rip it out of the garbage. You wasted all that. And it's dark meat, the best part of the chicken. <laughs> Now, now we get a little clue here. Tom Hardy sneaks in a little clue in his performance because every time he goes to the fridge to grab himself a brewski, he grabs two of them. That's right, one for him and one for the other side of his personality, a.k.a. the Venom symbiote. Mm-hmm. So he feels real sick, passes out, and the suit starts talking to him. The suit knows his name is Eddie. The mm-hmm. suit is this alien that landed on Earth, I guess, a couple days ago, like, knows contemporary references, but it like, like it speaks like, English really it well. It, like, bonds with his brain, though. I guess it's bonded, but it's branded on the brain. It talks like references. this. Yeah, he's, it's always like, it's like, Eddie, go over there. Pick up that thing. No, the other thing. No, yeah. pick up. Oh, God, just let me do it. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's always saying, Eddie, how are you doing, Eddie? <laughs> What's up? Let's go out and now, kill some people. This would be a very different movie. Yeah, if it was like meat. I need living meat. <laughs> oh, you're so cute, Venom. <laughs> uh, it's talking to his head. He goes. To Michelle Williams has. It's this is six months later since she dumped him. Michelle Williams has already moved on and dating a nice doctor named Dan. They were engaged. Named, named Dad. Dan. <laughs> <laughs> His name is Dad. Six months later, she's dating a man who has keys to her apartment after they broke off their engagement. Dan, the (laughs) clock is ticking. All right. She can no longer take the time she would before. And this is a doctor, very handsome, very nice. He is, like, they could have gone... He is much nicer than Eddie Brock. Yeah, yeah, like, he's a much better match for her. Like, they could have gone the easy route and made him, like, a dick. He is the hero of the movie. Yeah. (laughs) He's like, so nice to Eddie throughout the film, he's, so unthreatened. He's, like, giving him free medical care just yeah. out of the goodness of his heart. Like, And he could easily let him die. This is his one competitor for the heart of Michelle Williams. I'm a con- catch. I'm convinced. We should have made the movie Dr. Dan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dr. Dan, feet venom. That's what it should have <laughs> been called. 
So uh, he butts in on their lunch date, and he just starts ripping food off people's plates and spitting steak all over the place because he, he's feeling so hot he has to climb in a lobster tank and start biting lobsters open with his teeth. This, uh, is, this, is, this is part of the Oscar reel for Tom Hardy for this movie. <laughs> Uh, the doctor boyfriend puts him in an MRI, but the sound waves from the MRI, and now I'm not a doctor. I know it's magnetic stuff, but yeah. does it come out of sound? I don't know. Or is it just a noisy machine? I've never had an MRI done on me, but I always thought it looked cool because they'd find yeah, they if I was suck. a ghost. They're terrible. They're not good? I don't, yeah. I mean, it just makes it like a kachunk, kachunk, kachunk sound. I don't think it like makes a venom killing sound. Because I always imagine that if I, like, this is the same fantasy I've had since I was probably 10 years old. Anytime <laughs> okay. I have a test done on me. Buckle up, guys. <laughs> Buckle up. This is going to get weird. <laughs> Anytime I've had a test done on me at the doctors, I have this fantasy, this hope I'm holding out, that they're going to be like, but these results don't make sense. <laughs> There's, we've never seen this before. There's something in your system that seems inhuman. And then, like... There's you have like the a go- boy genius gene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that was the original hope. That, it's a little late for that now. I'm reach, I, like, I, I don't know if anyone else does this, but as I get older, I kind of reclassify what I should be doing that would be impressive to do at my age. <laughs> so like for a long time, I was like, oh, I better like have my own TV show or something like that. And now it's like, mm, should I run for president? <laughs> like, yeah. Should I get a good erection? <laughs> what? Okay, Dan, hold on. I am. You're getting old is what I'm saying. This is, I mean, I'm not familiar with the phrase... With the concept, even, of, like, a bad erection. <laughs> and if anything, if anything, I had more bad erections when I was a teenager, and a warm room could give me an erection. <laughs> I'm talking about an evil erection. Like, one that's gotten really... That what, like a, like a serial killer's <laughs> penis was grafted onto my yeah, body? that's right. <laughs> I, Dan, your mind is a place I do not care to go. <laughs> okay, so the MRI, the sound makes the symbiote goes nuts. Uh, Dora, Jenny Slate, gets found out by Drake. He exposes her to a symbiote. symbiote. She dies along with a third symbiote. There's just two left, the Venom symbiote, and there's one that's just bopping around Malaysia. Uh, the Life Foundation guys, the henchmen, they show up at Eddie's place, and Eddie's like, whoa, 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 don't shoot. And the symbiote's like, you're being a wimp. Let me take care of these guys. And he does it by doing a lot of, like, Stretch Armstrong taffy arm stuff where he's swinging people around and stretching a lot. Yeah, and if you want to see a scene with someone who, who looks like Tom Hardy doing basically this in a better movie, watch Upgrade. Mm-hmm. That's, that's fair. That's my public service announcement. But it's less slimy. Yeah. I do like slimy stuff. Like my favorite Ghostbusters ghost character... Uh, taxi driver. <laughs> yep, taxi driver ghost. The legitimately most scary ghost in the entire movie. Well, the old like, rotten head guy? Yeah, that, when I was a kid, that was the yeah. one shot where I always covered my eyes when I knew it was coming. And now he just looks like the Crypt Keeper's brother who rides a taxi cab. I <laughs> mentioned the, this before, but the first the time... The scary stuff is the fair, am I right? The scary you? thing is the way that tech companies are ruining traditional cabbies' lives, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> But <laughs> <laughs> we're getting real politi- yeah, we're getting real anti Silicon really, Valley on uh, this one. Uh, but the when I saw Ghostbusters in the theater, I was a little kid, and my mom covered my eyes for that opening sequence with that ghost, the library and, ghost. Yeah, and I was like, she was like, don't look at that library. <laughs> and afterwards, I was like, mom, mom, what did it look like? And her definition was, it looked like Skeletor. I mean, I am impressed your mom knew who yeah, Skeletor was. Definitely. I mean, I'm constantly- yeah. This is basically me saying my mom's cool. <laughs> I am constantly impressed by Stuart's mom's knowledge of things that we like. And the amount that she tweets about the podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or that when she tweeted, 
So what is hentai to me? <laughs> <laughs> that was a fun Thanksgiving after that, I imagine. <laughs> okay, so the life found. So anyway, Venom is taking over Eddie's body, and he's acting the way. It's very weird because this scene is written as I was saying to these guys while we were watching it, as if like Thomas Middleditch was playing the part. He's like, "Whoa, oh, watch out!" And he like knocks the guy over. And he's like, "Sorry about your friend, oh boy." But it's he looks like Tom Hardy, a guy I'm used to seeing beat the shit out of people <laughs> in movies. Like Tom Hardy can disappear to certain types of characters. I do not believe he can disappear into like a weakling. He's always going to be Bronson. To and me. also the idea that they're painting him as like a fumbling loser, but. Like, he was an investigative reporter that has his own, like, man-on-the-street show. Like, you have to be at least somewhat competent to do that for a while, right? I would think so. I would imagine. I mean, I, we don't know the news business that well. And this whole, yeah, this whole action sequence, they must have recorded, like, 40 hours of just scat dialogue from Tom, Tom <laughs> Hardy being like, Oh, oh, that guy there, too? Oh, no! <laughs> I'll get him, Eddie! <laughs> yeah. And uh, he's, he's doing the voice of Venom as well, He does the Venom right? voice also. And apparently what I was reading is that he would do the Venom voice in the morning, and then they would play it back to him through an earpiece during the scenes so he could react to it like it was really in his head. Because it was. <laughs> it was in his head with its guns and its bombs, zombie, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Let's hear it for the cranberries, everybody. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so... This leads to the famous, from the trailer, motorcycle chase, where these cars are just chasing Eddie on his motorcycle through San Francisco. Police, not interested as car. There's also like exploding drones that are just hurling themselves at Eddie and blowing up cars and passersby, I think. Uh, the symbiote at one point, uh, he reaches out and steers two cars to get them away from Eddie. So it's like, okay, so he knows how to drive a car also. Like, uh, Eddie finally suits all the way up, bites a bad guy's head off, and then jumps off into the bay to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation. The suit detaches himself slightly so that it can be a head on a stalk looking back at Eddie. Uh, like one of those weird Japanese ghosts that Hellboy fought once where they're like heads on long stalks that leave their bodies at night. You know mm -hmm. what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and let's just, you know, let's just be honest with ourselves. Uh, outside of the comics page, and pretty much inside of the comics page, Venom looks pretty silly. Uh, you're a crazy person. <laughs> He's like if Spider-Man was crossed with a demon and a gorilla. Like, that's the best character ever. Here's why he looks silly. The movie doesn't have that big white spider on his chest, so he just looks like this big, veiny goop. Yeah, and he's extra goopy. Like, in the comics, there's something about the way that suit just doesn't leave anything to the imagination. <laughs> Talk about a bad erection. What if he, like... Everyone's going to know about it. So the suit tells him that his name is Venom. Okay, cool. He gave himself an Earth name, I guess. Well, unless it's just an alien name that happens to sound like a word that fits. And the suit seems to refer to itself as we, which pissed me off, because when Venom says we, he's talking about himself and Eddie. Eddie in the suit. Come on. But here he's already a we, unless he's just a guy who talks in the third person or the royal we. What I'm guessing what I'm saying is the suit has a lot of unearned personality by this point in the movie. Uh, for some reason that I don't remember why, Eddie goes to his old office. They are met in the lobby by a whole SWAT brigade, and Venom is just straight up murdering policemen, just like hurling them around each other. For some reason, Annie, his, his ex-fiancee, is there, and she sees it happen, and she's like, it, and it's like uh, any of these, it's like uh, any movie where someone walks in on someone doing something embarrassing. He's just like, oh, what? No, Annie. <laughs> like, like this is this is Ben Stiller getting his his balls caught in his zipper from There's Nothing About Mary, except he was just a monster killing yeah. SWAT cops. And and her reaction is basically just like she walked in on someone nude that she shouldn't have seen. Eddie! Like, yeah, like, oh, oh, sorry, I didn't know there was someone in here <laughs> yeah. killing SWAT cops. <laughs> 
uh, she gives him a ride in her car, and this is when Venom in Eddie's brain is like, you really lo- you missed an opportunity to apologize to her. This is a good opportunity to do that. <laughs> because Venom instantly is like, you two belong together, which is crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, just like, it's like a walk like a man moment. He came down yeah. to earth to be like a romance advice columnist. All yeah, of a yeah, it's a yeah. very Cyrano. It's like Venom, was, his previous host was Hitch, starring Will Smith. <laughs> Meanwhile, the last symbiote has already passed on to a little girl because there's nothing more evil than an evil little girl. She shows up Who in has flown from Malaysia to the herself. U.S. by herself, apparently. It's so many questions. Dan like, has trouble doing that, and he's a grown man. <laughs> <laughs> he barely got here. <laughs> and so she, she passes her, the symbiote on to the bad guy, Drake, and his reaction... So wait... Why did they separate this one symbiote for this long time when it just ends up joining with the other ones? It I think it was partly a way to tell the audience ahead of time. This is it jumps. It can Joe go from host to host. Okay. And also because I'm guessing there was some kind of Asian financial backing, and they needed to shoot part of it in Asia. Oh, okay. And also to create that feeling of like, uh oh, when these things meet up, there is going to be T trouble with a capital T, and that rhymes with V, and that stands for Venom. Because <laughs> we got trouble, boys, right you, here in San Francisco. You're so fucking lucky that T rhymes with V. <laughs> uh, most of the letters rhyme with T, Dan. <laughs> e, V, D, Z. I didn't invent the alphabet. <laughs> Whoever did made it perfect for my purposes. Anyway, we got trouble right here in San Francisco. You ruined my momentum. I can't think of anything else. All right, forget it. Well, you can all go home and dream of the song that might have been <laughs> if, if Language Arts Dan didn't decide to forget about the alphabet. So, you could uh, just put on the Music Man theme and play our podcast at the same time, and it'll basically the same thing. Why wouldn't it? It's a duet of pleasures. Do that, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not the Music Man theme, but... You know. I'll write the soundtrack to the Music Man, I meant. Thank you. Okay, so... Anyway, but his, so I want to say uh, the duet bad guy, of pleasures is going to be your solo album. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, why is it a duet of pleasures if it's a solo album? Because I'm that good, Dan. <laughs> it really makes you think, dude. Because it's me. I'm doing all my own backing vocals, and I'm also my own hype man. <laughs> okay. So uh, there's a. I'll sing something, then I'll and then I'll just duck to another microphone and go. That's right. And then, yeah. <laughs> uh, so this evil billionaire is wandering around his office alone at night, because I guess he lives there, and a little girl wanders up, and he's like, hey, are you lost? And it's like, wait a minute. One, he's evil, and he, we're, we're supposed to be like, this guy is the worst of the worst. Oh, he really is worried about this little girl, doesn't know where her parents are. Two, if you were in your secure lab, somebody already broke into it and stole an alien goop. You want that goop back, and you sent out exploding drones to get it. Suddenly, Maybe he does not surprise that little girl wanders past your security. Maybe he's not surprised because he sent all his henchmen out to go find Eddie. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. he's there. He's like, I guess I'll watch the place myself. Yeah, and, he's like wondering if she's lost because he assumes she's like a temp worker or something. <laughs> or just like a tourist, which reminds me, there's a scene where Eddie is taking the cable car to get somewhere, and it's like, this dude doesn't live in San Francisco. Like, what kind of resident takes a cable car? Show him on a muni bus getting mad that it's so slow. Yeah, later on you see him eating something out of a sourdough bread bowl, and you're like, oh, this makes me so angry. He's just dumping rice into his mouth <laughs> at the Ghirardelli Chocolate Factory at Fisherman's Wharf. Look at all those seals. Amazing. Like... These are nothing say Oh, it's a full house house. I better take a picture of it. <laughs> so this place is great. Anyway. There, there is a moment early on in the movie where Eddie's at a bar drinking, and I've actually drank in that bar. It's called Edinburgh Castle, uh, and they also shot So I Married an Axe Murderer there. So, so it's pretty exciting. You know, I bar in- <laughs> name dropper over here? I don't understand <laughs> I live in New York, Dan, so I don't often see things that are being filmed or have been in films. <laughs> uh, 
says the man who was talking about Ghostbusters earlier. <laughs> okay. I don't know. So, uh, Anne uses the MRI at the doctor's office to separate Eddie and Venom. They think they trap Venom, but uh-oh. He gets out through the air vents, but not before Eddie is captured by Drake's goons. Drake is like, look at me, I can Venom out too. I've got a symbiote named Riot that is on me. Also, I, I just want to say, like, uh, apparently Eddie's heart is atrophied at this point, which mm -hmm. is what the Dr. Dan tells him that. But Venom leaves him, and Eddie's wandering around perfectly fine. Yeah. So I... I think he was misdiagnosed. It was actually just an achy, breaky heart. Mm -hmm. well, okay. Or an untamed heart. Or it could be an untamed heart or a wild heart. Well, you're not supposed movie, to tell someone about an achy, breaky heart. Only because I... they wouldn't understand. Oh, okay. Uh, and I it, do like that as, when they separate them, they have this, like, alien goop bouncing around in the, in the room, and they decide to have, like, a relationship conversation, <laughs> Dr. Dan and it's Michelle. It's really Lohan's funny because Dr. Dan is like, why didn't you tell me about this? And Annie is like, there's nothing between Eddie and me, I promise. And the doctor, being the best person in the movie, is like, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about this alien coop <laughs> that you brought into my office. Like, it's like there's bigger things in the universe right now than your relationship stuff. Like, but uh, like, if, but head, don't be like, I'm sorry, I buried the lead that I had that I ran into my old boyfriend. There's an alien in my office. Uh, <laughs> they take for some reason the henchman instead of killing Eddie in the controlled oh so so Drake's now got his own symbiote Riot Riot looks kind of like he's a kind of medley and he can turn his hands into big carnage saws uh, in or instead of executing Eddie in the controlled confines of the lab they take him out into the woods Miller's Crossing style yeah. <laughs> I guess to make it look like a bear attacked him <laughs> yeah. or one of the one of the escaped chimps from the first Planet of the Apes movie yeah a bear attacked him with the guns they're going to use to shoot him <laughs> yeah. hey I guess it's the right to Bare arms, yes. No. And I love no. someone in the audience said nope. no, no before I said it. When you said no, I only wanted to do it more. Okay, so, uh, of course he's not going to get killed because the Venom symbiote shows up. Who's, wait, who's the host? It's Annie. She's she-Venom. She bites some, the, the lead henchman's head off because, again, heroic actions. Uh, although she might eat the whole body. The body just kind of disappears like it's a double dragon game. So maybe she just swallowed the whole thing down <laughs> in one gulp, which leads me to wonder, where did the mass of that man's body go when it entered the body of a much smaller person? And then the suit, she gives... Eddie, a pretty deep soul kiss, which the symbiote uses to move back onto Eddie. Yeah, and it, it basically looks like Eddie and, and Venom are making out, which is kind of cool. I mean, we, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's like... That is the part that people on the internet have frozen, I'm sure, <laughs> and watched over and over. I would be surprised if there's not a gif of that out there in the world. I wouldn't. Yeah, I bet it that makes sense. If you're looking for someone to argue with that proposition, I will not. <laughs> So they pretty quickly at this point go from uh, running away from the bad guys not knowing what's going on to immediately deciding to save the world. Yes, Venom is like... They take it all in stride. The Venom symbiote is like, Riot wants to send a spaceship out to get more symbiotes and bring it back to Earth. You know what? Among the symbiotes, I'm kind of a loser, just like you're a loser among humans. And Wait, its name is Riot? Is that an alien name? I don't know. <laughs> Their name is that, that a translation from symbiote language? I don't know. I mean, in the comics, they were named by... I mean, comic creators who are trying to knock off Venom, but like, uh, uh -huh. so, they, so that's like Toxin is another one of the symbiotes. Po poison and powers or no poison? One, no. And there's one called like Phage or Phage. Not like the yogurt, but uh, like a germ, you know, yeah. like a virus. So like, but it's weird that the aliens already I mean, the yogurt would names. be more appropriate based on what they look like. I guess, eh, good point. That's, and there's little bits of fruit at the bottom, so, you know. <laughs> The, I, I imagine that the, the symbiotes are like, this is my, this is my tag. <laughs> my, na my name's Percival, but you can call me Riot, you know. So, uh, the, and it's one of, this, what I was waiting for was, uh, 
I wanted a moment where Tom Hardy goes, "I'm not can't we can't save the world. I'm not like a superhero." And I wanted Venom to say, "I can't do it, and you can't do it, but we can do it." And that would have been like the one moment where I've been like, okay. Elliot would have started crying. I know. Because I'm a big fan of any movie. Like when we watch the Power Rangers movie, I'm like, any movie that's about people having to work together to achieve a goal, I'm like, yes, definitely. That's why I love The Martian. It's a movie with no villain that's all about how people need to work together to save Matt Damon's stupid ass from Mars. <laughs> so anyway, because he's too busy growing I mean, it's potatoes. It's not his fault he's... He trapped on Mars. I mean, uh, that was an accident. He could have had the decency to try to jump really far to get back to Earth. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like John Carter? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. So, uh, but, they, but instead they don't have that. It's just like, all right, I guess we're saving the world. And it, it, this movie feels so 80s in that way where it's like the characters are just like, all right. I guess we're heroes now. And uh, also, the movie doesn't not really give like Venom that much of a motivation for suddenly wanting to save the world. It's not like the movie's like, oh, you know, he's bonded so much with Eddie that or like, even like he's Venom gotten human. Or like Venom's like, oh, you guys have pizza down here. I really yeah. love pizza. They needed that scene where Venom eats like human food and is like, oh, I like this. Instead, the closest we get is they climb to the top of a tall building and Venom's like, it's pretty beautiful around here. I guess I didn't see that before. It's like, and, and I guess it is. But so the symbiote has the same aesthetic ideas about a lit up city at night that we do like what and based on the voice i think you would really like cookies because he sounds like cookie monster <laughs> <laughs> now are you suggesting that cookie monster is a is a symbiote on a host muppet better yet are you suggesting that all people with the same voice have the same tastes <laughs> i mean i think a little bit of both right guys <laughs> has anyone checked on gritty if gritty likes cookies <laughs> As I would have to assume that Gritty, on Gritty loves cookies. Yes, he was checked on Gritty. Is I he mean, doing all right? I mean, <laughs> I'm worried about him. I'm worried about Gritty. His wife left him. Guys, we need to talk about Gritty. <laughs> uh, I mean, I assume that Gritty enjoys every form of vice. He's basically like all the worst aspects of Philadelphia in one adorable character. <laughs> Uh, 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 gritty is like, there's nothing he can do. Like, I, I feel like if he robbed a bank, people would be like, that's our Gritty. <laughs> yeah, Antifa mascot Gritty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so... They're like, Riot is launching a spaceship to his alien planet, and one of his workers in the control room is about to abort the launch because I guess he realizes his, his boss is evil. Riot reacts poorly to this and kills everybody there. Suddenly, Venom and Riot are fighting on top of, like, the catwalk near this rocket ship, which is like, wait a minute, so is Riot going to get in the ship after he launched it? Like, I don't understand. Riot has also all these hand axes. There's a big CGI monster fight until it's just, like, two humans engulfed in liquid goop that are fighting each other, and this part... That, that looked pretty cool. It was pretty cool. So it's like, oh, yeah, okay, they're making the most of these guys being made out of goop until Annie blasts them with feedback from the speakers mounted around the rocket ship so the rocket ship could listen to the final countdown to get pumped for the flight. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and there's, uh, so their, uh, their symbiotes are blasted off of them, and the, the two guys just start fighting again, which I was kind of bummed by. I was kind of hoping that they would have been like, oh, we don't got our things anymore. Oh, let's just run away. Yeah, it really turns into the <laughs> Iron Man 3 of Venom. Or they know? just like start slapping each other instead of... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that would be great if they're like, eh, ow, ugh. But instead, they, I guess they learned how to fight from the, from the symbiotes. All this time, they thought they were teaching Riot. Riot was teaching us. Anyway, uh, Drake stabs Venomless Eddie, but Venom, the Venom suit saves him, and they kind of do what Jason Statham does in the Meg. When Jason Statham uses the, the edge of his wave underwater glider to cut open the belly of the Meg, spoiler alert, where Venom's like, you just stabbed me with this giant symbiote axe. I'm just going to jump down the rocket ship and scrape down a big hole until it explodes, which mm -hmm. happens. The ri riot is blown up. The spaceship's blown up. San Francisco, I assume, deals with 
a spaceship blowing up <laughs> right right outside its city limits, uh, and the Venom symbiote appears to die while saving Eddie in the form of a parachute. Because at this point, it has gone full Plastic Man and just just and it should have that voice that you were. What, what would it sound like when he's saving? Wee! <laughs> <laughs> so we then we then cut to a funeral where Tom Hardy's burying a shoebox that had Venom. <laughs> <laughs> I wish that would be so great. But he's burying him in the pet cemetery. Oh what? no! <laughs> That's insulting. It was more than a pet. <laughs> it was a lover. But there's a, there's a scene where it is implied that the Venom symbiote takes on a dog as a host body to escape from a hospital, and we never see that dog use Venom powers. And it's like, what goddamn movie did you think you were making? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, at that point, we're like, are we watching The Mask again? <laughs> Somebody stop it. <laughs> It's bad enough that they teased a lovable cat named Mr. Belvedere and gave him barely... I assume that all his scenes are on the cutting room floor. <laughs> but, uh, so, they, I imagine they ran the tests. They're like, we ran some audience tests on this dog, Venom. All, when his, as soon as the symbiote leaves the dog and goes back to a human, the test scores plummet. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie and Annie are talking on Eddie's stoop. Annie says the immortal line, I'm sorry about Venom. <laughs> <laughs> Which is amazing. To be fair... What do you say to a man who's lost a symbiote? <laughs> you say, I'm sorry about Venom. But it's just so funny that Venom is that, like, not even, I'm sorry about, I, like, if she was like, I'm sorry about your, your thing. Friend. But it's like, we're, we're all buddies with Venom now. <laughs> like, uh, we all have a little Venom inside of us. Especially Eddie, because it turns out Venom's not dead. Venom's living on inside Eddie. And Venom's like, Eddie, we need to get back together with Annie. She's, she's the right one for us. And it's like, let it go. <laughs> like... She's happy now. She's happy. She has a better match. Eddie is a piece is a slime ball essentially. Like I don't know, man. I think like in the right circumstances a thruple could work. <laughs> so this is a real unicorn situation where the, the threesome partner is well, a symbiote? Uh, yeah, I think so. But it's also it's like symbiote, don't be a creep. Like let her move on with her life. There's other fish in the sea. You know that Venom's gonna be standing outside her window with that boom box blasting. <laughs> That Venom song in the credits that just goes, Venom, 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 Venom. <laughs> uh, there's a brief Stanley cameo, rest in peace. Uh, it was wonderful to see him, even though the cameo's kind of dumb. Because he's like, you guys are both going to be good. Wink. It's like, so, is, so Stanley knows that he's a, got a Venom inside of him? And by uh, this point, the movie is surely over, right, Elliot? This, uh, it seems like everything's been wrapped up in a tidy little Venom bow. Sure seems like it. But first, we've got to see Eddie walk down the street talking to Venom about how, it, okay, we'll eat some people, but only bad people. They go back to the bodega. The guy from earlier shows up and threatens the owner. Venom shows up, and he's like, you ever come back here and do this? You run away. And if you ever come back, I'm going to bite off your arms and legs and your face. And he says, then you'll be just an armless, legless, faceless thing rolling in the wind like a turd or something like that. <laughs> Which is like, that's a powerful wind. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Those are hurricane-force winds yeah. if turds are blowing around. Unless it's been lying around so long that it's just a dried-up stick at that point. <laughs> like, but, uh, and then... And then he, it's like what he did. He was wasting our time because he goes on second thought, and he just eats him anyway. <laughs> he likes to play with his food. He's he? like, you know what, Eddie? Ever since you showed me Princess Bride, I want to do a speech like he gives at the end. <laughs> and then, and then he cre- morphs, just morphs back into Tom Hardy. He shares a quip with the woman who owns the bodega, who has just seen who him turn into a monster and eat a man. <laughs> yeah, and she's like, it's a living. <laughs> but, like, thanks, I have a headless body to clean up and explain <laughs> yeah, now. Uh, clean up an aisle everywhere. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> uh, you, you know Eddie's just like, and I'll take this five-hour energy drink, too. Glug. Uh, the credits start rolling. Is there a mid-credits scene? Of course there is. We got we to gotta start the sequel already. 
Eddie rides his motorcycle to San Quentin. He's been chosen by a serial killer to be interviewed, to interview him at this high-security prison, which I don't know what San Quentin, I mean, I, I listen to Ear Hustle. I don't know if San Quentin is really like it says on the podcast, but they make it seem like it's a medieval fortress where they keep people. And uh, the serial killer, it's Cletus Cassidy, as played by Woody Harrelson in, would you call it a Little Orphan Annie or a Ronald McDonald wig? <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, it's weird. I... I would not have chosen a famously bald person for this role because it just like Patrick extra Stewart heightens it down. Yeah. It extra heightens how ridiculous that hair I looks. I mean, at that point, to be honest, no one resembles Cletus Cassidy more physically than Carrot Top. <laughs> so like, throw him in the movie. He would be really good at it. I assume they got Woody Harrelson because Cletus Cassidy is a Southern boy, mm-hmm. but and that's what Woody Harrelson plays for the most part. But uh, it's what's I'm like, okay, in the comics, Eddie Brock is blonde. Here he's played by a brunette, Tom Hardy. I don't care. That's fine. So. Why does Woody Harrelson's hair have to be the same as Carnage's? Because he looks ridiculous. And he goes, and Woody Harrelson's like, look, we could play our little serial killer cat and mouse mind game game, but let's not do that. This is after we've seen him already write Welcome Eddie in his own blood on the wall of his cell. (laughs) And he goes, let me just tell you this. If I get out, there's going to be Carnage. And it's like, and then cut to the rest of the credits. And it's like, wait a minute. (laughs) So he's saying. Porky Pig shows up. (laughs) (laughs) Like, but eat, but eat, but eat. That shoehorned in, folks. (laughs) It's such a, and like, he needs to say Carnage so that people know, oh, it's going to be Carnage in the next movie. Because what other villain does Venom have? Is it going to be The Mace? No. (laughs) Nobody remembers that character. Even though the series he was in was called Venom, The Mace. Anyway, so that's for the real Venom heads out there. That's for the real V-Boys. The real Venmos. (laughs) Yeah, Venmos. Do you think there was, do you think there should have been a scene where some, like, tech startup douche was, like, walking along and he heard him saying, we are Venom, and he was like, Venom? Venmo. That's what I'll call my payment app. That's what I'll call my app that makes it so people don't ever have cash on them and homeless people die of starvation because they don't get money. Come on. Jesus. That's what they, uh, uh, yeah, because I'm the one who's doing that. <laughs> I'm for a cash-full society, Dan. Uh, so, but anyway, but it's like what, what Cleese Cassidy is saying is don't let me out, basically. Uh, it's, not a, it's a weird message for him to deliver in an interview. Here's my message to the world. Keep me in prison. (laughs) (laughs) I am way too dangerous to trust. And then uh, the credits seemed, uh, we looked at the time bar, and it was like, how are there 12 minutes of credits after this? It's because they then threw in a scene from Into the Spider-Verse to, like, get you interested in that. And it's like, what a weird chaser to throw onto the (laughs) iTunes of Venom. It's like a scene from a much better movie. (laughs) I think that was in theaters, too. Did they do that in theaters? From what I understand, I think so. No, that's great. Yeah, uh, it's like in in Reign of Fire where they're acting out the scenes from uh, Star Wars, and you're like, oh, yeah, I could just be watching Star Wars now. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so that's uh, Venom, the movie. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, We should uh, give our final judgments on it. What what not entirely appropriate categories to my emotions are there? Okay. Well, our traditional categories are, is this a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie, or a movie we kind of liked? Uh, Elliot, you seem very uh, ambivalent. I do, because here's the thing. It's not any of those things for me. I didn't... There, there are things I do... What I like in it are the parts that are crazy nutso. And, but they're like, the action scenes don't really work for me, and... It's like, I couldn't tell if I liked that it felt like a 1980s action movie where the characters just kind of do whatever based on what the plot needs to do, or if that bugged me. It's like, I don't need a realistic version of a movie where a guy has a magic costume that gives him spider powers, you know? But, uh-huh. uh, or unless, I guess it's a magic ring that gives them, what is it, flight powers, and that it's a movie version of Fortress of Solitude by Jonathan Lethem. That'd be pretty cool. It has to be pretty realistic, right? Anyway, forget <laughs> it. That's, but, uh, 
But like, I didn't really like it that much because it was like, you know, they made Venom kind of generic, and it really bothered me that the Venom character has no learning curve about life on Earth. He's just instantly like, cool, party dude. <laughs> like, he, there's a part where, uh, where he's, he, the first time you really hear him talk a lot, he's like, you're being a wimp. Stop being such a pussy. And it's like, what the hell is this? <laughs> so I would say it's not really any of those things. It's not terrible, but it's not amazing, like Spider-Man. So yeah, that didn't fit any of the categories. Yeah. Um, I I'm gonna say this is kind of uh, this is a movie I kind of like because Tom Har- uh, Tom Hardy gives this like crazy performance, and yeah, and he's talking to. I will say the stuff seat. that I thought I wasn't gonna like about it is the stuff that I liked the most about it. Where he's like, oh, go get me over here. I don't know. I'm a reporter. Oh, so I got I gotta jump into this lobster tank and take a bite out of a lobster. <laughs> Yeah, the face he makes when he's eating that lobster in front of a room full of, like, snooty old snobs. <laughs> he showed them. It's a crazy movie in that it should be a movie about a regular guy whose life turns upside down when he gets this <laughs> alien costume, but his life is already crazy. <laughs> he's, it's like a crazy guy gets a crazy costume. Uh, yeah, I kind of like the movie, too. I don't, I don't know. It's, uh, you know what? I'll say kind of like also. If you guys are going that far, I'll join you on that ledge. Yeah, you know, it works best bad, as a, a buddy movie between a weirdo and some goop. And uh, <laughs> on that level, I really enjoyed it. We are so thrilled at your interest in attending Hieronymus Wiggenstaff's School for Heroism and Villainy. Wiggenstaff's beautiful campus boasts state-of-the-art facilities and instructors with real-world experience. We are also proud to say that our alumni have gone on to be professional heroes and villains in the most renowned kingdoms in the world. But of course, you are not applying to the main school, are you? You're applying for our sidekick and henchperson annex. You will still benefit from the school's amazing campus, and you'll have a lifetime of steady employment. Of course, there's no guarantee how long that lifetime will be. Join the McElroys as they return to Dungeons & Dragons with The Adventure Zone Graduation, every other Thursday on Maximum Fun, or wherever podcasts are found. I listen to Bullseye because Jesse always has really good questions. What did John Malkovich wear when he was 20? (laughs) I don't know how to describe it. There's always that moment where Jesse asks a question that the person he's interviewing has not thought of before. I don't think anyone's ever said that to me or acknowledged that to me, and that is so real. Bullseye, interviews with creators you love and creators you need to know. From MaximumFun.org and NPR. Hey there, family of flop. It's Dan here with his patented solo ad reads. This is a live show, so we did not know at the time who would be kind enough to sponsor us. So I come in like some sort of post-production soup. I don't want to say superhero, just regular hero is enough to tell you about products and services and jumbotrons and such. I almost forgot that I had to do this. It's been a while since we put up a live show, but we thought let's give us a break for the Thanksgiving holiday. So we can all, you know, instead of sitting in front of microphones, we can stuff our faces with turkey or whatever my vegan brother's family is going to serve me this year. The Flophouse is brought to you in part by Casper. Casper is a sleep brand that makes expertly designed products to help you get your best rest one night at a time. 
and I have my own Casper mattress. Casper uh, <laughs> serendipitously sent me a sample uh, right when I was uh, getting divorced. <laughs> so I was in desperate need of a mattress. This is a little getting a little too personal. I don't know why I'm saying this, but I'm just saying that I will always be grateful to Casper for, for providing a mattress that has given me many great nights sleep since then. Casper products are cleverly designed to mimic human curves, providing supportive comfort for all kinds of bodies. Casper offers three other mattresses, the Wave, the Essential, and the Hybrid. And you can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial. So get $100 toward select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash flophouse and using flophouse at checkout. That's casper.com slash flophouse and using flophouse at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, guys. Did you hear that? Do you hear any of this stuff? There's a party going upstairs, uh, and uh, I'm hearing a lot of chatter, a lot of knockabout noises from above, but you know what? That's what happens when you don't have a studio, so please continue to donate to MaximumFun.org and buy us a studio. That's not going to happen, but thank you for everyone who does donate. Hey, guys. Okay, well, that was a noise from uh, Messenger, uh, from a uh, from my girlfriend asking me whether I'm done with what I was doing before, so that's useful for you, that bell noise. Hey, uh, the there's a Jumbostron, Jumbostron, Jumbotron here. It wants you to check out Wishlist Wildermyth on Steam, or maybe it's Wishlist Wilder Myth. It is spelled Wilder, like Gene Wilder Myth, but maybe it's Wildermyth. Who knows? Wildermyth is a new game on Steam that captures the spirit of Dungeons and Dragons. You know what? It's, it's probably Wilder Myth, right? If it's a Dungeons and Dragons thing, let's just Wilder Myth is a new game on Steam that captures the spirit of Dungeons and Dragons and other tabletop RPGs. It is a myth-making tactical RPG. Different every time you play. Customize your heroes. They grow old, form relationships, transform, and make sacrifices. For a second, I read that as make sandwiches, which they probably do as well. Then they go into your legacy to be used in the next game. So check out Wishlist Wilder Myth on Steam. Uh, there's one other Jumbotron containment wall. 15 is a novel red and blood and tape red and blood and tape set set after a zombie like pandemic has been brought under control but at a high cost to save humanity vast enclosed cities were erected trapping both the living dead and the unlucky inside. Life outside the walls has returned to normal, but there are those willing to risk everything to save their loved ones. A study in what it is to live on after death. It also features a small reference to the best podcast ever. Well, I'm sure Roman Mars will be very happy about your 99% invisible reference. Uh, but buy this, Containment Wall 15, and other works by Simon 
M. Greaves as paperback or ebook from Amazon. Uh, look, I don't need to waste your time any longer. That's the ad section. Deal with it. And now, back to the show. But let's not belabor anything because uh-huh. we only have, as I said before, limited time here. Okay, yes, so On let's keep moving. Why are you pausing? <laughs> you're, again, your, your answer to having limited time is to c- talk slower. <laughs> uh, so we have maybe 15, maybe 20 minutes to uh, talk to the audience, take questions, which is something we like to do at live shows. So um, there's a microphone right here if people want to come down and have a question. That's and right, we'll do guys. it for as long as we can. And then because it's on to questions, on to questions. Ask us questions now. Ask us questions, ask us questions. I don't know how the rest of the song goes. All right, that was a much shorter uh, question song than we usually get. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, um, I'm Lauren, last name withheld. Hello. Um, Thanks for coming to the show. Oh, thank you for being here, especially when it's an ice ball. Um, so in th- this is a question inspired by my favorite scene in the movie, which was Eddie Brock listening to an Eckhart Tolle meditation. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he wants to meditate, like- but his neighbor's playing his guitar too darn loud. And then he eats the neighbor or whatever. But, like... Eckhart Tolle in a Venom movie just made me just so unexpectedly happy. What sort of weird real-life cultural artifacts just showing up into a mo- into a fantastic movie like that have sort of like given you a little like ooh, yay? I'm gonna vamp by talking for a while about not this question <laughs> because it looks like Elliot is thinking. I am. And so... Thinking about... How about this weather? Cold enough for you? (laughs) I think, for me, it's like... uh, I think something like that was in the movie 12 Monkeys when they go and they watch Vertigo. And it's like, oh, like this scene from Vertigo. She's not talking about time travel. She's talking about reincarnation. But it fits what's going on in the movie so well. This is where I lived and this is where I died and all that. Like, I was like, Terry, you found a new way to use a great scene. You know, that I really liked that a lot. And that they didn't just go into, like a random movie for a made-up movie or something like that? I think I have an answer. <laughs> and it's... Uh, it's not the, the Cheddar Goblin. That's not a real thing, Stuart. <laughs> in, uh, I remember be. watching uh, The 40-Year-Old Virgin, and there's, you know, it's this, like, silly, gross-out comedy, but then they cut to shots of Steve Carell painting little uh, Games Workshop writers of Rohirrim. I'm like, well, that's a pretty cool movie. <laughs> That's a cool serious hobby to paint tiny little plastic soldiers. <laughs> I had the exact opposite experience with 40-Year-Old Virgin because he's supposed to be like a real comic book fan. He has framed comics on the walls, and they are all new comics that are worth nothing. And I was like, I'm like, Steve, did you write or draw that book? Because why are you framing that? It's worth $3. And I have no answer. Thank you very much for your question. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Uh, My name is John Charles, uh, last name withheld. Um, I have a sort of Spider-Man adjacent question. Awesome. Um, As Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse proved for us, audience are absolutely ready for a movie in which we can watch, what, like five, six different versions of the same character on screen at the same time? Not get confused, not get lost. So it was up to y'all. If you could make a movie and have um, as many characters of a specific actor on screen at one time as possible, which actor would you make a movie around? Sherlock Holmes. There have been so many Sherlock Holmes, and I want all of them in the same movie. 
Fair. Yeah. Very fair. Yeah. And they're... <laughs> And they, they like. I wonder if they would like all like come to the same conclusion at the exact same time, or no. I love the idea of one where they are actively competing and they each yeah. get a chance to outsmart the other ones. But the last clue Watson figures out, and then you open the door and there's ten Watsons all working on the clue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, actor specifically or character? Um, whichever comes. I mean, I want to see a movie where every character Nicolas Cage played is, is together. <laughs> like. Like, Ghost Rider's in there. Wild at Heart is in there. Leaving Las Vegas is in there. All of Mandy's in there. Honeymoon in Vegas is in there. Like, they're all, Raising Arizona's in there. All of them. Or Godzilla. Every Godzilla. I mean, there's that scene in Godzilla Final Wars when he goes up against the American Godzilla and he just destroys him in 20 seconds, but. Sorry, I was just, I was still fantasizing about my Sherlock Holmes movie. I was, <laughs> I was imagining a scene where Jeremy Brett, pro- perhaps my favorite and the, maybe the most, uh, True to the books, uh, Sherlock Holmes, like, competes with Sherlock Gnomes. <laughs> and it's like, what is this thing I have to deal with? I guess with? it would be like, Basil Rathbone is in black and white. I think, yeah. uh, Brett, Brandon Cumberbatch and Sherlock Gnomes. Mm-hmm. And, like, the yeah, great Sherlock mouse Gnomes the great is the mouse most true to the book, right? Yeah. Because <laughs> he's a, he's and a then garden gnome. They, are they, and as this, these are that's the, what the books are about, right? Is garden gnomes? <laughs> and, they're, and they're going like after what? Like in Sherlock Jack- Gnomes? <laughs> What do you think, guys? And what he's about, animated. Anyway, what about you, Stuart? <laughs> I mean, you took mine. You said Nicolas Cage. <laughs> oh, sorry. Because it's the only answer, Sherlock yeah. Holmes. Thank you very much for the question. Thank you, Thank you. Thanks for coming. Uh, hello. Uh, Grinch McFacebook name withheld. Okay. So, uh, King John Hodgepin, uh, Dr. Thornipus, the Green Jordan, and I guess the Stafford McElroy's. Uh-huh. Fire particle accelerator and then remove the three of you from this universe. Okay. Which my children. <laughs> <laughs> They'll grow up without a father. Which alternate versions of yourself come through the rift to help Flopper Halley teach young Jubin Morales how to use his powers for good? <laughs> well, I'm already the divorced kind of fat version of myself. Yeah. So I wouldn't be pay- played by Jake Johnson. Okay. Uh, I'd probably be played by, I guess, like a late 70s Harrison Ford. Okay. And that's pretty. Yeah, so I can I'd see be that. like the super cool kind of space pirate me, you know? I mean, I'm basically Spider Ham, so I don't know what the, there was. I, I went to see In the Spider Verse with two friends of mine, and while Spider Ham was talking for the first time, one of them turned to me and went, He's you! <laughs> Thank you, Seth. His name was Seth, my, that friend of mine. And I think I'd want to be played by martial arts movie villain Bolo Young. <laughs> Because he's got that, like, you know, that, like, coolness and toughness that I exude. <laughs> what do you think, Dan? Uh, yeah, who, like I said, who I wouldn't be. I, I don't know who I would be. Um, yeah, I'd like to be, like, what if there was, like, a, a nice, like, Muppet version of myself? That would be pretty cool. I can see yeah. That. yeah, sure. Yeah. Just like a, like a New Zealand type. <laughs> so you're a fish-throwing Muppet? I'm a fish-throwing. That no one really likes? Podcaster. That was when my son was learning all the Muppets. There were the few where it was like, what's this? Oh, he's like, who's this? And I'm like, he's New Zealand. Like, don't even get me started. Like, he's got a Shakespearean rough and he throws fish. I don't... I, I was hoping that you'd be older before I had to explain New <laughs> Zealand to you. And this prawn, let's wait. Let's wait on the prawn. I hope Thank that you. goes somewhere towards answering the question. Thank you. Okay, let's keep it moving. Let's keep it moving. Come on, Badgers. All right. My name's Matt. Last name withheld. First, I got to say, it's my birthday today, and I drove six hours to it's get Matt's here. It's Matt's birthday! Whoa. 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 
Just kidding, my girlfriend drove me here, so she's awesome. Matt's girlfriend's awesome! Now, we've been talking a lot about Venom, and I know you guys are experts with comic books, so I decided to ask you a question about Dungeons & Dragons. Sure, this one's directed for Dan, Dungeons & Dragons fan. So, I'm a high school teacher. I have a Dungeons & Dragons club after school, so it's very difficult to teach all day and then come up with a D&D campaign, like, right after school. Uh So, what movies can I steal plots from and not Harry Potter don't give me the obvious ones uh-huh. uh, I mean basically any Vin Diesel movie <laughs> uh, I don't know like Dragon Slayer <laughs> you know do something not fantasy the, the favorite uh, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody all right. Uh, He's just going through the Oscar nominees now. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. Uh, Venom. <laughs> <laughs> Trouble with the curve. <laughs> Dan in real life. All about Steve. Margo yeah, I mean, like, at the wedding. I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, like, the plot of Little Miss Sunshine would make a good D&D adventure. <laughs> Those are all things that high school students are motivated to do in a fantasy game that they take their time to do. So, yeah. Okay, well, or what about, like, uh, Stu? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know, Dan. Baby geniuses. Baby geniuses one and two. Okay. Yeah. All right. We got it. Perfect answer. Wow. We let you down on your birthday so hard. You're like, that was not worth the drive. The gentleman in the great Sluggo is lit (laughs) t-shirt. Thank you. My name's Anthony, last name withheld. So we all know that Stewart has two dishes named after him. Mm -hmm. uh, Beef stew and beef wellington. Mm -hmm. Yep, correct. Dan and Elliot, my question is, if you guys had food items named after yourselves, what would they be? I mean, I live in Los Angeles, so it would be something with kale in. (laughs) It would be some kind of like kale in salad, probably. Dan? Does it have to be a pun, or, like, does it... I mean, if it's named after me, it should have my name in it somewhere. No, it's, it's Fried Elliot, and it's me, and they deep fry me. And I'm dead, and once again, my children don't have a father. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Thanks, no, I know such a dumb question. <laughs> you're like, does the food named after me have to have my name in it? Or can I just pick, like, a Reuben, which is someone else's name? No, but it doesn't have to be a pun. You can, like, name an existing food after yourself. It doesn't, like, like, Beef Wellington is just, like, a food named after Wellington. It's not, like, it's a pun on something else. I didn't know that was one of the rules, Dan. Because if it doesn't have to be, like, I can't think of a good food pun. That's that's all I'm saying. What happens if you get this wrong, Dan? Are you going to go to jail? (laughs) What's wrong with you? Is it going to take your tongue away? You'll never eat food again? Just say personal Dan pizza and move on. I mean, come on. Hi. uh, Brady, last name withheld. So the uh, conversation earlier about the Venom dog and how much better of a movie this would have been if it happened uh-huh. uh, made me think, what other movies would benefit from a uh, quirky animal companion? Oh, well... Well, uh, not Oh Heavenly Dog, because that already has Chevy Chase <laughs> as a dog, so uh, that one's taken. Be- Beastmaster. <laughs> no, wait, hold on. 
and I'm the gonna, mask. <laughs> and I'm going to say, what would benefit Jaws. With movies that would benefit from an animal, quirky animal companion. Uh, I mean, yes, Lincoln, starring Daniel Day-Lewis. <laughs> if his if his real life dog was like, ah, I think it's probably time to free the slaves now, Abe. <laughs> What? I don't. I mean, I don't know. I'm just a dog. He talks like that because he's a quirky dog. What if in my dinner with Andre, Andre Gregory just had like a hamster oh. on the table the whole time? That'd be wonderful. <laughs> I mean, I did write a sketch for Mystery Science Theater where it is revealed that all the waiters are raptors, and Wallace Shawn has to fight the raptors. <laughs> that, was that in the show? It was in I, the first season, yeah. Okay, I, I didn't make it. Thanks for watching, well. Dan. I, <laughs> Best friend, everybody. I watched the. I watched like the first five. I think. I mean, there were. Roughly 3,000 hours of content <laughs> in that season. So, yeah, so uh, yeah, I, my favorite thing, you know, just pick any character and just give him a talking dog and have that talking dog be like a cabbie type character. Oh, boy, boy boss. Uh oh. <laughs> I think we got to watch out for this Hitler boss. And FDR's like, follow, please. It's going to be okay. This is not related to that other than there being a talking dog, but everyone should look up Puchinski. Oh, the, the TV on show? On the internet. Uh, yeah, it's a great failed. Uh, pilot for a, a sitcom with a talking dog cop. Anyway. Well, he's like, a, it's a ghost of a cop and a dog. Ghost of right? a cop and a dog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know why it didn't go eight seasons. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much for being here. All right, questions. Let's do a rapid fire. Let's do it. Yeah, Sorry that uh, we're taking so long. I want to talk to as uh, many people as possible. Awesome. Drew, last name withheld. And yes, seconded on Puchinski. Peter <laughs> Boyle, by the way, is the talking dog. Yes. Oh, wow. Um, Rest in peace, yeah. great Peter Boyle. Uh, uh, I have a question. I wonder, uh, I really like when theme park rides are themed after movies or uh -huh. even if it doesn't really fit, like it's a reverse <coughs> roller coaster. But like it's that ordinary people ride? Yeah. So legs? exactly. You're, yeah. you're anticipating my question. Uh, if you could have a theme park ride after any movie uh, franchise that you love, uh, what would the movie be and what kind of ride would it be? Eight words. Tay King of Pell. Um, one, two, three. <laughs> You get on a train, gunmen come on, uh-oh, we're going to take this train, oh no, and then they get off and the train just goes real fast, like around turns and stuff, and then when it ends, there's an animatronic Walter Matthau that's like, well, everybody, I hope you enjoyed the ride, we'll go this way to leave. <laughs> I mean, it's not really a funny answer, but I feel like a Gremlins ride, I mean, because like, they're basically puppets anyway, like... Uh, yeah, I'm not even basically, <laughs> they are. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Hold on, Elliot. I don't know, Dan. They might be actual gremlins. This isn't how I wanted to break the news to you. Oh, no. Elliot. I know you've been planning this vacation to where the gremlins are from. And you've been, you've been going through all those ancient tomes about uh, Western explorers who went to far off Asia to find out exactly where it is. You go to Dan's house, and there's just 100-year-old, 400-year-old maps tacked up to the walls with just scrawled on them, gremlin, question mark? <laughs> I didn't want you to find out this way that gremlins, they were All right, I puppets. meant to say, because they're puppets, they're basically animatronics, like, so like you could do a, a, a ride oh, race. Oh, that would be fantastic, yeah. Yeah. Stuart? Uh, this doesn't answer the question, but I really wish the... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I really wish they leaned into it uh, at Cedar Point with the roller coaster Magnum, where they just had like dirty, hairy things. Based on the condom, or yeah, based on the. Yeah, Dan, why do you got to be gross? <laughs> it's I mean, my brand. Like, they had like like dirty, hairy holding a pistol, and it's like you got to be this tall, punk to ride this ride. It's a huge gun that shoots the roller coaster out, <laughs> and then at the end, it's like, well, do you feel entertained, punk? Yeah. 
those movies were set in San Francisco too, right? Yeah, they are. So we got some great movies this year set in San Francisco. This year? That are equally <laughs> what? What? <laughs> yeah, Dirty Harry came out this year, right? Okay. You got Venom. Mm-hmm. You got Dirty Harry. You got... Bullet. Uh, Zodiac. <laughs> Zodiac, <laughs> Bullet, Vertigo, all of this year's hits. Uh, please, sir. <laughs> Hi, Carl. Last name withheld. Hi, I watched Shin Godzilla the other day. Not a lot happens for a movie about a colossal lizard destroying a major population center. Uh, well, finish your question, then I'll argue <laughs> okay. with you. Okay. <laughs> what is your favorite movie with the least amount of plot? Oh, interesting. I mean, one, it's about Shin Godzilla. A lot happens in terms of clearing away an elderly bureaucracy to make way for the young activist workers who know how to handle a public health crisis in the form of a giant monster. But no, movies where there's not a lot of. I mean, Dan mentioned My Dinner with Andre earlier, which is a movie that has no plot. It is a conversation between two men. And like, I, anytime it's on and I stumble on it where I'm watching it, I cannot move away from it because I think like the kind of the passion of the two people involved is so palpable to me. And it is the whitest movie ever made. Like. <laughs> It is about two relatively affluent people who work in the theater arts talking about like their midlife crises, but you know, there's no plot, but I really get into it. Yeah, I don't, maybe something like uh, a Tokyo story, which is just about elderly people being ignored, and that's kind of the and plot. And you're like, yes, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, they've had it too good for too long. <laughs> Make way for the next generation until I get old, which is right around the corner. <laughs> yep. And then you're going to be like, oh, hands off my Medicare. You can all die now. Yep. I mean, I'd say something like, I don't know, like Valhalla Rising, where it's oh, just Mad, yeah. Mads Mikkelsen wandering around and there's no dialogue at all, basically. He's just wandering around blasted landscapes and then occasionally killing people, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty great. Nice Thank question. You. Thank you. <laughs> all right. Hi. First name with, withheld, Kroll. Um, okay, interesting. Okay. <laughs> so I was Change recently up. watching the 20... 20- or 2006 Doom movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, with, with The Rock, is it? Yeah. Okay. And I was thinking, man, Alien is a really good movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> Not a controversial statement. <laughs> Alien is you, perhaps the most perfectly made movie ever. Do you just call him The Rock? Because if so, you have to pay Vince McMahon money. I love paying Vince McMahon license fees. For, <laughs> you, gotta was, call, you gotta call him DJ. <laughs> I, remember, you know, I remember seeing him as a guest to promote that movie. Maybe it was on The Daily Show. And the clip that they showed was 90% close-ups of that giant gun. And then at the end, he's like, whoa. And that was the clip they chose to promote the movie. <laughs> but yes, so. But so in thinking of a much better movie, I was wondering, uh, what are your favorite sci-fi set pieces? Set pieces? Oh, was like, like scenes or whatever? Well, maybe I'm misusing the word. Uh, just like, you know, sets in general. Oh, well, yeah. Uh, I mean, Alien is like the best designed movie. But I took it. Oh, God. You can't be like, tell me your favorite, but not, the ri- but not this one. So the real question was, tell me your second favorite. All right, aliens. Boom, beat ya. No, no, but guys, what would you think? What's that like? Uh, I mean, like, Blade Runner is a beautiful movie that I don't enjoy as a narrative, but I enjoy it as a series of visual images. Even, and even the new Blade Runner is gorgeous. It's beautiful. Again, not one where I was like engaged in the story, but it's like, show me these pictures. Give me this, this like Blade, the Blade Runner movies are where I'm like, I want to see a coffee table version of this movie. Did, did table anyone pick uh, Alien yet? What? Yeah. <laughs> what about Flesh Gordon? <laughs> Does that count? I don't. I mean, <laughs> if you want to choose it, it's the designs are hideous <laughs> because it's like, how do we make a spaceship look kind of like balls? <laughs> Thank you. Okay. <laughs> we, uh, we didn't answer that one. We promised to keep it as close to 90 minutes as possible, and we've already gone over. I think we two more questions. I'm sorry for everyone behind. I'm going to say we, three more. How about three we, more? Oh, three more. All okay. right. 
Uh, but we will be around a little bit afterwards, so yeah, we'll, we'll talk not, about that at the we're end. We're not of the going show. anywhere. The show's going to be over, but uh, I mean, I said, welcome, my friends, the show that never ends, by which I mean life, and we're going to be here, so. Yeah. Uh, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer are here, everybody. <laughs> hey, guys. Uh, Patrick, last name withheld. withheld. Uh, Stuart, you mentioned that you were at the, the bar in San Francisco uh-huh. where, they, uh, where they shot that scene. Yes. Um, in that scene, there's like a TV playing, I guess, the evening news, uh-huh. and like Drake is on it, and he's talking, uh-huh. and Tom Hardy gets upset, and he's like, uh, turn this off, and someone says, hey, buddy, keep it down. I'm trying to watch this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at that bar... Like, that was they, me. Do they you show got me. The- <laughs> <laughs> it's like I'm trying to watch this. It's a scene from Venom, the movie. How, how often at that bar and your own bar in Brooklyn uh, do you show the evening news and then people get upset when people talk over it because they're trying to watch the news at the bar? And well, I guess, you know, what's your favorite, like, bullshit movie bar conventions? Or I, know, I know this is a question for Stuart, but I did literally at that point in the movie say to the other guys, in this movie... The thing I believe least is that this guy at a bar is like, hold on, I want to listen to that tech billionaire. Uh, I mean, like, at at my bar, we basically only show, like, special events and RuPaul's Drag Race. Uh, So, and nobody's allowed to, you know, interrupt that. Um, The, my favorite bar convention in movies is always, anytime somebody sits down at the bar and they order a drink and they're like, leave the bottle. Because in my head, I'm like, how much would I fucking charge that guy? <laughs> like, how, like, estimating how many shots. I'm like, You've got to pour it into, a, into like a measuring cup afterwards <laughs> and then pour it back into the bottle? You bring out a scale from behind the bar. You're like, all right, now I got okay, to take out the bottle from this weight, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I just but, like when everyone, anyone sits down, they go, beer. Do people do that at your bar? Sometimes. I usually ask for ID at that point. <laughs> <laughs> We've, I've heard of this thing and called And if you're beer. a cop, I always ask for ID. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a Hanchelin's Bar t-shirt. All right. Cool shirt alert. Thanks. Yeah. If you guys ever go to Brooklyn, you should check this place out. It's called Hanchelin's. Uh, I don't like oh, it. Okay. Uh, Hanchelin's. Oh, okay. Oh. All right. So my name is Jarrett, last name withheld. And I, along with a couple other people, am a fan of the John Wick movies. And a staple of those movies is, uh, you know, the action scenes. You know, they're really well choreographed. The camera's really tight. You always know what's going on. It's great. But now every time I see, like, a different action movie, even a really, uh, really well-reviewed one, the action scenes, you know, I notice all the jump cuts a lot more. The choreography, yeah, it seems a little bit sloppier. So it's like, there are any uh, movie or series movies that does one thing so very well that that thing is ruined in all the movies purely by point of comparison? Mm, that's a good question. I would have said that, like, the, this is the nerdiest possible response to that, but the, but the original Star Wars movies, it's like if you watch any other science fiction movie from around that period and then for the next 20 years, except for Alien, which as we mentioned is perfect, you're like, mm, this is not it. Like I was watch, or the first time I saw Logan's run as an adult, I was like, oh yeah, this is not that long before Star Wars. This is around the same time, and it looks like it was made 20 years earlier. Like, and then you look at movies that came out in the wake of Star Wars, and you're like, this movie also doesn't look as good as Star Wars. Like, it's hard to watch a, a movie set in an alien world and not have me be like, well, they took a long time to set up the rules of this world, whereas Star Wars, right off the bat, I'm like, oh, that's a good guy, that's a bad guy. He's got magic powers, that's a bear man. Like, it's, you know, <laughs> it's all there. Like I'm, I'm constantly, this, I'm constantly amazed by like, I think about this too often, uh, where I'm, like, sometimes while I'm going to bed, it'll just pop into my head where I'm like, that movie is like two hours long. When it starts, you know nothing about that world, and by the end of it, you are so invested and you know everything. And there are very few scenes where someone sits down, as, and as, as opposed to the prequels, very few scenes where it's like the council must explain what's going on here. 
There's a, a movie called Cheeky that <laughs> it, it captures butts in a way that no movie before since. Like, I wouldn't say it ruins butts for me in other movies because scientifically that's impossible to ruin a butt, but it, it's, you know, it's, the, it's the pinnacle of butt achievement. <laughs> How can I follow behind that? <laughs> I don't know. Like I think, like I think John Carpenter's horror movies, the scores in those are so they're so good at it that like almost no other horror movie score compares to me. And I feel like almost every horror movie, especially modern horror movies, are often trying to like kind of rip off a John Carpenter score, but without giving him any money, which I'm sure he is not happy about. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Last question of the night. Last question. Uh, Lydia, last name withheld. Um, I was wondering, um, you've seen so many movies on your podcast and in your lives. Have you ever seen a movie that you not only actively regret seeing, but you wish you had a neuralizer and could just wipe it out of your memory? Hmm. I mean, I'm, I've gone on, this is not an imaginative answer, I've gone on the record with my feelings about nothing but trouble, which is like... <laughs> It's like if I had a time machine, it's like, do I kill Hitler? Do I save Lincoln? Do I stop that movie from being made? <laughs> like, I don't know. Because it, it caused so much trauma for me as a child. And again, I, and this is not in any way to elevate myself to people who suffered real trauma as a child. But like, the, like, just so much time I spent as a child thinking about that movie and being like, why does that exist? Like, what, <laughs> like, what is the adult world like and how do I avoid going into it? Like my, when I had a twin sister and she'd be like, I'm, I'm going to be an adult now. I'm going to go to parties where there's drinking. And I'm like, I can't do that because what if I have to become part of the world that nothing but trouble was made by? Like, whereas now I want to be in movies so badly. And it's like, whatever, sign me up. I nothing but trouble reboot? Sure, okay. Uh, I think that uh, typically like if a movie's going to do that to me, I turn it off. I would, sort of to answer your question though, like I, w I wish I could neuralize like, some movies just have the brain space back. Like, uh, we were talking That's on a walk. That's how brains work, yeah. We were talking, like, I was with Stuart recently. We'd done some axe throwing in Brooklyn, and we were walking to a bar, and there was some debate over who was in Mannequin 2 on the move. <laughs> and I was able to correctly say that, it, that Christy Swanson played the new Mannequin, and the male lead was the guy from Herman's Head. And Herman. I've seen Mannequin 2 on the move, is what I'm saying, and... <laughs> It's probably, I probably shouldn't have. <laughs> just, just to clarify, we got there by arguing about which actors were in which Police Academy <laughs> movies. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would say if the movie I want lasered away from existence is uh, 40 Days and 40 Nights, <laughs> starring Josh, Joshua Hartnett, the movie where he gives up sex, premarital sex for Lent, and it's horrible. Don't ever watch it if you have the opportunity Call up Netflix, have them send you a copy, and throw it in the garbage. <laughs> they don't, you don't want them to see the part where he, he triggers an orgasm by blowing rose petals across a woman's tummy? Yes, that, Elliot. Don't, <laughs> why are you bringing it up? <sighs> okay. Yeah, that's that's a great that's show. It. That's the traditional way we end our shows, by depressing Stuart. Oh, we love to bring Stuart down. Uh, so we are going to be first selling merch and talking to people. I'm not sure where. Do you know where? Someplace in the building. I think across it's the It's like way. a room across, across the hall. Across the way. 
And then, <laughs> hopefully, Please come and say it's hi. not a labyrinth. They're not going to get lost, and they'll just find skeletons with signs that say merch? Question <laughs> mark on their hands. <laughs> and then after that, if you don't want merch, uh, but you we do are, want merch. After we're done doing that, uh, we will be trying to hang out a little bit in the generically named City Bar, a bar that could be in literally any city in the world. Uh, but uh, but thank you so much to the University of Madison for having us. Sorry we went a little over time. Thank uh, you, University of Wisconsin-Madison. Thank you all of you for coming out on a very cold night. Thank yeah. you, everybody who worked on the show tonight to make it possible. Thank you very much. I'm Dan McCoy. Thank you. What? That's Stuart Wellington. I'm Ellie Kalen. Night. We're the Flophouse. Thank you very much for being here. This is the Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. This is the Flophouse. He's Dan McCoy. No, that no, no, that's not. That's not how and it goes. And this is the Flophouse. That was Dan McCoy. <sighs> Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.